Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Did you know that people are watching what you do? You may not, you may think that nobody's paying attention, but I assure you they are. And we're going to discuss that. And then I'm going to share a traveling comedy, <laughs> as I promised I would in last week's podcast. And then joining me to, jo- to talk about those things and so much more is Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. How's your week been so far? It's it's uh, it was it's been a short week so far, yeah. so uh, we're just getting started. Good, really, yeah. at this point. So uh, yeah, getting some stuff. Well, done. hey, before we get started, let's talk about this week's sponsor again. If um, if you own a business out there and you would like to support what we do here at Run for God and allow us to support you in the process, uh, we've got some new things going on for our sponsors. We're about to actually start cutting commercials in their own voice um so that's gonna be pretty cool yeah but if you want a business out there and again you you want to get you want to be part of what we do here at run for god uh shoot us an email to run lane hollis at gmail.com and uh, he'll get you all the information but this week's sponsor is trinity disposal they are the go-to disposal company for whitfield county and surrounding counties trinity offers weekly residential trash collection and commercial front-end dumpsters. Trinity is a very detail-oriented, and they have excellent customer service. So if you're interested in top-of-the-line disposal service, Trinity Disposal disposal is the route for you. I'm getting tongue-tied this morning, (laughs) Dean. But hey, let let me just talk about our sponsors for just a second. You know, some of you on here, you're thinking, "Why, why are they talking about a disposal company, a garbage service company, in North Georgia. Well, we have a lot of listeners in and around this area, but we also like to highlight people who line up um, not only with our values, but but our values spiritually. Um, Mm -hmm. Hunter Williams and the whole crew at Trinity Disposal, I know all of them, and they're great. I mean, God is in the name. Trinity Disposal is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's where the name came from. I actually had lunch with Hunter last week. And to show you what kind of customer service they had, I've mentioned this on here before. This morning, you know, my wife is out of town, yeah. So I, I don't know what to do when she's out. Nothing gets done around here, and uh, so I forgot to take the garbage out last night. Oops. Well, at six forty-five, Hunter texts me. He said, "Hey, did you forget to bring your garbage can outside?" I said, "Yes, I did." He said, "I'll come back if you can have it out there in ten minutes." What my other garbage goodness. service is going to do something nope. like that? So again, I mean, they make what we do possible. Uh, and so we're happy to give them a shout out. So if you're in the North Georgia, Southern Tennessee area, uh, give them a call. Even if you're not around here, give them a call and tell you, tell them thank you uh, for supporting Run for God because it does make a difference. Amen, amen. And what a good—that's a good group to to kick off our fourth year. It is. We're yeah, this is year number four. We're starting. Yeah, year number four of this podcast, and so that's crazy to Did even you think ever about. Have thought it? No, no. When we first started it, we thought hey, we're going to just try this thing. Four years later, every week for four years, we, here we are. You know, Gay and I were talking this morning, um, and 
you know, we, we, we've got the potential to be making some more changes around here, which is good. Um, we're, we're growing. Uh, and, uh, so I was talking about, there's some things that I would like to get off my plate. Some of the things that I'm not real good at, but you know, we're a small ministry. So we put the hat on a janitor and customer service. (laughs) We put all the hats on, but there's a few hats I would like to get rid of. And I said, I would like to do that. So I could focus more on content. I'm mm-hmm. writing and, you know, I'm working on a project right now and I love that. And she said, she looked at me and she said, would you have ever thought in a million years that statement would have come out of your mouth? <laughs> and I said, well, now that you say it, no. Cause I mean, 12, 13 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. Yeah. If, if you would have told me what I'm doing now, which is yeah. I'm, I'm convinced is why oftentimes God doesn't let us see the big picture. Yep. Um, but we're here. Um, you know, we were talking in the prayer, or I said in the prayer before we started that, you know, let us have a good time in this process. And I have a ball yeah. here each week. And we do. Uh, I'm just so thankful that not only to our run club members, to our sponsors, our supporters, that that you and I are able to sit here and do this for the Amen. fourth, going on the fourth year now. So to everybody listening, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, let me talk about a post from this week. It's from Mike Powers. There's a guy that's been around the long ministry for a little while as well. And so uh, he said, it's now been a couple of weeks since my son and I finished our four trail race series. I previously ne- never been interested in running trails. I know there are runners out there that love running trails. I just want to say to all trail runners, I completely admire and respect you. Trail running is hard. It is much harder than running a mile on a a trail than in, in the woods than on the road. I run a lot, and I felt sore after each race. I know I'm not fast. I will never be fast. However, I run because I love it. Instead of focusing on being fast, I want to challenge myself to new things. So I signed up and finished four trail races, every race longer than the previous race. Last year, I made a goal of running at least one mile or more every day in 2022. I completed that goal. This year, I'm making new goals. I can now call myself a trail runner. I think it is important for everyone to challenge themselves. It is important to try new things. We only grow during adversity and being out of our comfort zone. This is when we learn and grow the most. Not much growth happens within our comfort zones. I want to challenge you all to try something new in 2023. Do something you never thought you would do or thought you could do. You may surprise yourself. For those that may want to start running, here are some running challenges to try. Uh, If you do accept my challenge, would you comment below or contact me and let me know what new thing you're doing to challenge yourself? And he puts up this list. It's got 10 different 30-day running challenges that includes complete a streak, uh, negative split every run, plank after every run, set a mile PR, run five times every week, increase mileage by 10% each week, set a 5K PR, run on a trail two times every week, complete every run in the morning, uh, run a 5K, 10K, half marathon, and marathon in one month. I so, was with him till that last one. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've ever done that. that. Probably not. That would be pretty tough. I know I have run a half marathon and two marathons in one month, though. Really? So, yeah. You know, I've run marathons in back-to-back weeks. Wow. So that's, well, I've got some advice for Mike. 
Yeah. Because I, I have seen the pictures of him and his son, his son doing these trail yeah. races, and it took me back a few years. You know, I, yeah. I did a trail race with Lane one time. This is back when I was still a little faster than Lane, which shows you how long ago it was. But I will never forget, I, I caught my toe on a rock. And it was one of those falls where it takes you like 10 minutes to hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think I'm going to look up and I'm going to see my compassionate son standing there wondering if I'm okay. Well, when I look up, he's 100 yards in front of me looking back like it was almost like I had embarrassed him. <laughs> he he never even he never even broke stride and he just kept running. So, Mike, you know, yeah, I think you're going to learn something about your son during this process. Number one, you're going to learn that, learn that he's getting faster. Yeah. And if you're like me... I was getting slower at the time. So cherish those moments when you can run together. Because all the pictures I saw, they were together. Yeah. But that's not going to last much not, longer. Not much longer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember falling down on a trail one time, because I'm not a big fan of trails myself. And I remember falling down on a trail one time. And I was running with one of the college girls. Her name was Kay. And um, Kay stopped, fortunately. But when I got up, I had a really, really hard time running back to the car hurts to hit the ground on the yes it turns out i stopped by the chiropractor's office right after that and i had dislocated some ribs he popped those ribs back in place and that is painful but uh but anyway yeah it's funny because this was kind of a challenge for me Mm -hmm. i mean this wasn't but the the whole trail thing was back a few years ago i was recruiting a girl who was a really good runner and I promised her that if she came to run with us, that I would we would run on trails more often because she loved to run on trails. And I've held true to that promise. So I myself have been on trails a lot more. But as a result, I'm a way better trail runner than I used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't fall down on trails anymore. Now, I may every once in a while. but be not, knocking not, on some yeah, right Not nearly as much as I did. At one time, I wouldn't go because there was a better than 50% chance I was going to wind up on the ground when I went. Now my chances of falling on the ground are probably 5%. Yeah. And it's all because I've done more of it. These challenges, this whole idea of finding something that's a little outside of your comfort zone, maybe something that you don't even like to do is really good for us Mm -hmm. and will make us better in, in the areas where we're a little weak. Yeah. I mean, I, I start, I've, I've told you, I like to keep things simple, but I started this little challenge back first week of January, um, of pull ups, push-ups mm-hmm. and sit-ups just that simple and you know we've always talked about you can overcomplicate, especially strength work uh but a lot of kind of workouts you can complicate with just those three things and i've kept consistent three days a week um and i can really tell it and it was yeah. it was just a simple challenge that i saw and um i haven't quite complete the challenge is it's like a pyramid you you go up the pyramid and back down and when i first started i couldn't get 20 percent of the way up the hill and now i'm i'm almost to the top but i still gotta work my way all the way back down so yeah um but yeah i I love these types of of challenge thinking outside the box yeah yeah well my challenge for myself this year is to run three thousand miles this year and right now i'm a pretty good ways behind because i've had a real difficult time in the last month um after that after that marathon you know something i don't think it was the marathon i think the marathon coincided with a sickness that i had and i just haven't been right since and so um i I think i had a pretty good run yesterday so i think maybe i'm coming out of it maybe i'll be able to make up for those lost miles i lost in january and february who knows we'll Mm -hmm. see i'll do what i can that's a lot of miles yeah it's about i think it's 57 miles a week 
So hmm. when you think about 57 miles a week, you know, you think, well, 57 miles sounds like a, a good bit, but you know, it's not that much. But yeah, then, then when you think about it every, every week. single week, then it becomes a lot. It's kind of like this uh, Bible in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you that's, can't let up. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's funny we we were. You we, think, oh, I'm ahead, and all of a sudden, whoa, I'm behind. <laughs> we started this podcast today, and we had to restart it because I had the wrong intro. Because I've been doing a different intro for <laughs> oh, that for was? that, and it just threw me completely off. And uh, yeah, it's uh, but it's good. You're drinking out of a fire hydrant, right? It, now, is what you're saying? Yes, that. and it and of course it's track season at the same time. And I've got today. I'm trying to get some of that stuff caught up, and I've got track people just peppering me with with text messages saying, "What am I running?" And what blah, blah, blah. and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, "Hold on, hold on, I'll get to you. I promise." <laughs> Sounds like you need to find time to do nothing. Uh, just like you always say, right? All right, <laughs> uh, hey, we had a trivia question for last week. It was a very simple one. Um, we talked about how uh, we had this conversation with Alan Webb and that he ran had run 346 for the mile in 2007, which is still the American record. And the question was, how fast is 346 per 100 meters? Because 100 meters, you know, that's, that's a sprint. That's a short distance. And so... Uh, and I then I followed it up by saying, once you figure that out, go out and try to run 100 meters at that pace. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it's just over 14 seconds per, uh, per per 100 meters. That's a pretty quick 100 meters. Just to give you an idea on how fast 100 meters is, if you're running at six-minute pace, which is a pretty fast pace, right? If you're running at six-minute pace, that's 22.37 <laughs> seconds per hundred meters if you're running at five minute pace which most people can't do at all um, it's 18.65 per seconds per 100 and so 14 seconds per hundred meters is really really fast right now the school right now we don't have any we, we, we just have a couple of sprinters we've never had a really really good sprinter at dalton state right now um our school record is just right at 14 seconds so uh wow. and he did that for the mile oh so that was that was a guy oh no then, you're saying one of the girls one of the girls okay. yeah 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 so i think i might be able to run 14 seconds per 100 meters for 200 meters maybe right now i probably stand a better job of doing it for 200 than i do for 100 to be honest you with you speed yeah when you get older it takes a little longer to get up to full speed well you know i didn't know this is a little bit of trivia but i didn't know until lane said it and then you confirmed it because even when lane said it i didn't quite believe it but then you confirmed it so i guess i believe it now but he was we were talking about the 100 meter records and all this the other day and he said you know he said the fastest 100 meters run are actually the back half of a 200 meter. And he said it was because you don't have coming off the blocks and all that. And that that's that's kind of mind-boggling. That's actually not true, though. Really? I thought you said it was true. The actual, Well, the way you put it. The, How did I put it? The fastest 100 meters are actually the last 100 meters of a 4 by 100 meter relay. That's actually faster than the four okay. by two. Well, if that was an for option. the same he reason, was, he was yes. saying yes. The two hundred the back half, half of a two hundred is faster than a hundred meters. That, yes, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's yeah. I mean, it yeah, shows you how much the takeoff slows people down. Yep, and I how guess, important. I guess it is. it's like in the, it's it's the same thing in a swim. 
Yeah. You know, except it's except it's in reverse mm-hmm. on the swim. Yeah. Um, That's what drives me crazy too. As a coach, I coach kids, and let's say a kid runs fourteen seconds flat for a hundred meters, right? Well, technically, they should be able to run twenty eight seconds flat least, yeah. for two hundred. And so many times they can run fourteen seconds for a for a hundred, and then they run thirty two seconds for the for the two hundred. I'm like, it's just you. You just got to get that in your mind. You just got to keep it going. Yeah, because they don't believe it, and therefore they don't believe they can do it. That's right. But yeah. once you, I guess you show them the data, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But trying to get a eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old. <laughs> to to believe you that's the hard part yes it is well i wonder if anybody went out and tried to run 14 seconds for 100 meters after this i hope they filmed it Uh, and send us the video that would be great you remember that time that we will post it yeah we would (laughs) remember that time we 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 were had a triathlon practice and at the end of the practice we had the kids running running all out 100 meters and one of them kind of challenged me and you know how I am. I don't. I can't back down to a challenge, and so I decided to do it. And I hadn't warmed up or anything, and that was the biggest mistake. <laughs> oh my goodness! I knew that was coming too. When I saw you get up, I was like, "Oh, this is not going to be." Especially, I mean, one, they're kids, and two, you're just not having warmed up. And I mean, you were going against everything we had instilled in those kids' mind. You got to warm up. You got to stretch all this stuff before you run hard. Hey, Dean, I bet I can outrun you. Okay, line up. <laughs> and I proved we were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. All right. Hey, we got the Run for God 5K weekend coming up, coming right? Coming up quick here in just a few weeks. And, uh, yeah, again, if you're not signed up and you're not registered, we need to know who's coming. So uh, you can go to runforgod.com slash calendar uh, and see all the events on there. But you can also see where you can go on and, and get your tickets for the banquet. Uh, by now, we have already sent out the codes. If you haven't gotten your code, send an email to holly at runforgod.com. She'll get you your uh, code for your free race. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an incredible, an incredible weekend. You know, we were up at, uh, we were up in Cahutta on uh, Friday night and uh, just kind of scoping things out. And, you know, we're going to do Friday night up there in Cahutta. You can get the pizza place or the Red Wolf Grill. And uh, I don't know, it's going to be a cool evening, cool weekend. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have the, the banquet Saturday night, the race Saturday morning, worship Sunday morning, uh, and just kind of a, a no structure hangout on Friday night. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you're part of a run club, part of this run club, and you want to experience it to the full I just had a, a lunch with one of our other sponsors just mm-hmm. a little while ago, Brandon Combs. And because um, I, I was inviting him, we invite our sponsors now to uh, to the Run Club banquet. And I said, if you want to experience the heart of Run Club, be part of that weekend. For sure. And Because uh, it's just, it's special. Yeah, it really is. It really is. You know that moment when you're running and you settle into that perfect pace and then the next song comes on? Don't let that happen again. With the new J Radio, you can trust us to make sure that the next song in your playlist will help you keep up that pace. Check out the radioactive station on J Radio for all different genres of workout music handpicked for you while you run. Start listening now at jradio.com. All 
All right, we're back. And, you know, we still need stories. Uh, that, this is like a never-ending thing. We're on, this is episode 157. So we have shared 100, well, a little less than that because we've had some other things going sure. on. But for the most part, we've shared 150 stories. Yeah. Over the, and, and so they have to keep coming. We mm-hmm. you can't slow down. Because they're constantly being written. We know that. That's right. That's right. And there's a whole bunch of them right now residing in a particular area. And that's in people's heads. Mm-hmm. And all they got to do is pull it out and put it on the paper and send it to us. You don't even got to spell correctly. That's true. Because we'll work. We'll fix that. Because no even if it's spelled wrong, we may mispronounce it wrong. I mean, the, even if it's spelled right, we may mispronounce it. So it's a really good chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, remember when you were in school, they always asked about our heroes. Who's your who's your hero? You know, and you'd share. You, my hero is, and you'd be whatever. I just remember that being a being a big thing when I was in school. Maybe it wasn't. It probably isn't that way today. It's probably <laughs> today they're probably scared to say. Uh, school has changed a little since uh, mm-hmm. since my day. Um, but there's always somebody to look look up to, and you know, somebody to aspire to, and that was usually who we called our our hero. Um, of course. As followers of Christ, our standard should always be Jesus, no matter what. That's that is the standard for all of us. And I remember back then, even before I was uh, before I really started going to church, I remember hearing kids talk about that, and not understand what they meant about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I never thought about that from the standpoint of what a witness that was for those kids sure. to do that. But anyway, um, but you know, a lot of people. Runners, for example, you know, I, they look at Steve Prefontaine and they think, mm-hmm. man, I want to be like Steve Prefontaine because he's such a, you know, he was known for being so gutsy and running so hard. And a lot of people that are competitive want to believe that they can run harder than anybody else can, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people like that. But uh, I want to say this that right now in our world, there's a lot of people out there who are. Let's just say the people they're following are not good examples. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that out there now, and it seems like the people who are ba- – it used to be, when I was a kid, the, 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 the most popular and most prevalent people that people wanted to follow, they were most of the time pretty good role models. Mm-hmm. They may not have been Christian, but they were, they were good role models. Mm-hmm. Now that's changed so much. There's some really, really bad role models out there for people to follow. Um, and here's why I think that is. I think it's because good role models are boring now. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say they're not flashy. Yeah. I mean, I think a Warren Buffett, like, yeah. right? If, if, you, if you're an investor right. and you want to invest your money, do you want to do it like – because Warren Buffett's whole thing is – Yeah, it's, it's the most boring investing you can possibly do. Yeah. Put your money somewhere and let it sit there for a long time. Yeah. And nobody wants to be boring. Isn't that sad? It's, but that's that's the truth, isn't it? It's so funny you say that. I and I, I, I told you right before this podcast came. I I think it's it's biblical the way we've got to look at this. You know, because it the Bible says don't yoke yourself with unbelievers, and y- y- we think of that in the context of marriage a lot of times. But yoking is business. Um, you know, any anything where you're you're binding yourself together with somebody in any way and i used the example of um or i was thinking of the example this morning with 
our sponsors. You know, mm-hmm. every week we come on here and we talk about a sponsor, and I I'm very careful not mm-hmm. to if somebody if somebody I didn't know came to me and said I want to sponsor Run for God. We're not just we're not just going to accept them. You know, it's it's not a hard vetting process. But like this morning, we had a, a friend of mine, Hunter Williams. Mm-hmm. He recommended that I reach out to a specific company and uh, to get them on board as a sponsor. Well, before I ever made a phone call, I went and I patroned that business this morning. Yeah. And I sat in their office and I just watched. Because mm-hmm. I want to see how do they treat mm-hmm. their employees how do they treat their customers? You know, they do a great job at marketing, and, and it's it from all exterior appearances, they're a great company. And the flashiness of this world is what attracts us. Yep. But we've got to get we've got to move beyond that flash and really get inside. And and it's the reason I went and sat down and just watched because the signs and the the bumper stickers can all say one thing. But if if you don't if you're not careful, you could yoke yourself with people that can damage your testimony mm-hmm. and not even realize it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, you're I don't know where you're going with that, but you're dead on in your 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 thoughts that oftentimes you, you need to get you need to get down to the boring parts. You do before attaching yourself to somebody if that makes sense and sometimes the the stuff that's really worthwhile to follow the examples that we have to follow are much uglier grittier and i'll give you a good example a few couple weeks ago we talked about jerry siegler's story Mm -hmm. and how she couldn't sleep at night Mm -hmm. that's not a pretty picture the idea of not being able to sleep because you're in such pain and then that the pain of that race was just exhausting Mm -hmm. but that was all that was such a great picture of what putting your faith in something can do and is a great example to follow but it's not an easy one to follow and it's not a fun one to follow well think about most things that we come in contact with every day the same rule applies. I mean, you mentioned investing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best investment advice is boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, Warren, Warren Buffett nailed it. You, mm-hmm. you, you put money in something consistently every month, every week, whenever it is, and you let it sit there for a year. I mean, so that's that's one. Think about training for a marathon. I mean, everybody loves the glitz and the glamour of the race day photos, but what led up to that? Mm-hmm. A lot of boredom. Yep. A lot of consistent mundane grind um think about our walk with christ Mm -hmm. i mean it we we have to go through the valleys and 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 the and the mess sometimes to get to those peaks and so that's that's why we always caution about social media yep you know we see the exciting and investing you'll see that you'll see advertisements for that you'll see exciting church services and things that get you pumped up for your walk with Christ. You'll see exciting marathon finishes, but behind all those things is a grind. Yep. Um, and we, we need to condition ourselves to be up for that grind Yep. or else we'll never make it to those mountaintops. Well said. Well, this week's story is about the idea 
that people are watching what we do and as we watch other people it should be obvious people mm-hmm. are watching us and this one comes from jan Klemp, and it's called people are watching in 2019 i set a goal to run 1000 miles after seeing me reach that goal my son john who was not a runner decided that he would run 365 miles in 2020 he almost doubled that goal and found he actually enjoyed running the next year john ran his first race it was a half marathon which he finished in one hour 40 minutes i was impressed by how well he did and told him i thought he could run a marathon he didn't think so That same year, I joined the Couch to Marathon Challenge and trained to run my first marathon. I completed the Madison Marathon in November 2021 at the age of 58. November in Wisconsin is cold. I battled snow flurries, frigid winds, and a tough course with plenty of hills. It was a great experience. I love that. I do too. (laughs) I returned to the Madison Marathon the next year but this time as a spectator to cheer on my son. He finished that race in three and a half hours. This is what John wrote on Facebook. Well, I ran the Madison Marathon today. About this time last year, I told my mom that there was no way I'd ever run one because that's something crazy people do. Then she ran Madison and inspired me to do the same. It wasn't easy, but I ran a race I'm proud of. Huge shout out to my wife, my sister, and my mom for being the best support team. I couldn't have done it without you. That same day, John asked me to pray over a personal situation in his life. He stated that he needed the power of prayer. It meant so much to me that he doesn't see me, just see me as a mom who runs, but as a mom who prays. I have role models of my own. In running and faith, as a, and as a teenager, I saw my dad lace up his shoes and go running in the dead of winter. He was my prayer warrior, too, and shared how he was praying for me through difficult times in my life. I also had an older co-worker who shared the love of Jesus with me regularly and prayed with me through struggles. These days, I am uplifted by spending time weekly with my Bible study group. In running, I'm inspired when I read about runners who have overcome adversity. It gives me hope and a drive to achieve more. I'm also inspired by runners in my own community, such as friends I've made in the Moms Run This Town group. These ladies get up before 5 in the morning to run because they are busy raising their families. They are crushing their goals, running 10Ks, half marathons, marathons, and ultra distances. I am the older runner in the group who encourages others to keep going. I've had students that I've trained in my job as an occupational therapist who have told me they are setting goals to run half marathons after seeing my success as an older runner. Some have seen my faith, too, and thanked me for pointing them back to Jesus. So, folks, remember that often we think what we do doesn't make any difference, but people are watching and God is watching. After John ran the marathon, my 17-year-old daughter asked if she could start running with me just a mile or two once in a while. Well, I can see where this is going. <laughs> so so two phrases, crazy is contagious. I like that. Obviously. Yeah. And then uh, from the wise lady, Rachel Cruz, who, by the way, I sent that podcast to her this morning. Is that right? We kind of called her out on the half marathon. (laughs) We'll see if she responds. But she always says with kids, more more is caught than taught. And that's so true. Our kids are watching. We can say things all we want, 
but they're watching what we do. And mm-hmm. this is just an incredible example of that. And to think that grown son is still learning valuable lessons from mom. That's mm-hmm. uh, it's that's pre- awesome. It, it is pretty awesome. And I know just how she feels about the this idea that he sees her as more than just this mom who runs, but mm-hmm. somebody who prays to my, you know, when my kids call me and ask for life advice, you know, that, um, that they see value in asking dad's opinion mm-hmm. about that, you know, and my kids are, they're, they're over 30 years old, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're up there, mm-hmm. but, uh, they still see value in it. And, uh, yeah, it makes you feel like you did something right. Sure. When they were younger. Well, I remember talking about people watching and what, what a difference it makes knowing people are watching. I remember the one time when I was at the track, I may have shared this on here one time, a long time ago but i was at the track and i was doing a long track workout it was 10 times one mile with a with a 400 jog in between each mile and it's you know that's what is that that's it's a long way that's for 50 laps on the track and so it's it's a lot of laps and so i'm running along and I, i've gotten in i don't know three miles or so and i'm suffering and i'm like this is not working out well i don't know if i'm even going to finish this workout well then all of a sudden a bus pulls up and a bunch of middle schoolers get out and they sit in the stands of the football stadium that's right there by the track (laughs) they're all sitting there watching me run what else are they going to do i mean they're talking i'm sure but out of the corner of their eye they're seeing this guy that's running around this track just waiting on this old guy to crash and burn yes (laughs) but you know what happened all of a sudden I felt more energized. I knew people were watching. And it makes such a difference when we know people are watching us. And I think, what if we looked at everything we did like I looked at that moment when those kids sat down in those bleachers? Wouldn't it make a difference in how we acted, how we interacted with people, what we said, how we said it? It would make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And if we could, you know what else? If we could figure out somehow... (laughs) to get that same if we could feel like there's somebody looking over our shoulder when we're on social media Mm. (laughs) that would be a big help wouldn't it yeah because that's where we get ourselves in trouble more often than not is that anonymity of of typing things in uh, on social media or wherever but uh but anyway i I just think it's it, it, it everything could be different if we always looked at the fact that the people are watching. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that Cleveland Highway syndrome. You know, I always say I, when I run up and down Cleveland yeah. Highway, there's no way I'm going to stop and walk on Cleveland Highway because, you know, 40% of the cars that drive by, I know who they are and they know who I am. And same thing with you. You, yeah. you know everybody. So you've got mm-hmm. that. But the problem is you don't know which one. That's right. It's one of those people that know you. So any one of those right. 10,000 cars that drive by you could be somebody you know and <laughs> I'll be darned if I'm going to be walking <laughs> during that. So uh, that's yeah. right. And sometimes it's good to put yourself in those situations. You know, you you you've you've had middle schoolers show yeah. up. Well, I've scheduled things when people are going to be there. I know they're going, to, and that just happened to be the day that I still <laughs> burned like a a bonfire out on the track. But you but know. you gave yourself the best chance. I did. That's, I did. That's, it just wasn't idea. enough. <laughs> Uh, Proverbs 27 says, when a man walks in integrity and justice, happiness are his children, happy are his children after him. 
Man, I'll tell you what, that word integrity, gosh, that is that is such a word these days that it just seems a lot different than it used to, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get political or anything, but it, it, it we've gotten to the point where it's really, really hard to trust almost anything now. Mm-hmm. I think if we've learned anything over the last couple of years is we can't trust what the news tells us. We can't tell, we can't trust what, what, scientists i mean the the experts are not right Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases and it's really it's really frustrating i don't know if we put more faith in those things than we should have in the past and it's just now we're learning that that a lot of these things are wrong or they're just wrong more often now but whatever it is um integrity is important and i think the definition of integrity is this it's steadfast adherence to a strict moral or ethical code and this is what I want to say about that. The problem is, is that today everybody has their own moral code. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there's no such thing as a strict moral code if it's all different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A strict moral code means there is a truth. There is a moral code. Well, there is a moral code. Mm-hmm. And it's found in the Bible. And it's very descriptive. It's very definite. It's it, There's no question in most cases what that moral code is and it's it's we have a strict moral code and that's what integrity is integrity means following what's in the bible to me but integrity means if you say you're going to do it you do it if you you know and and if you do make a mistake this is the part that bothers me the most about some of the so-called experts these days is if I make a mistake, if you, because you and I have done it before, you know, I'm talking to you and I make a mistake. Well, if I make a mistake and I realize it, first thing I'm going to do is call you or send you an email or say, hey, hey, I messed up on this. That was not accurate. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. I messed up. We don't hear that. Mm-hmm. That's integrity is going back and, and righting a wrong that you caused. And I saw, I saw, it's, and again, it's a political thing, but I saw somebody who is, you know, we got two separate sides of the aisle i saw an article recently from somebody on the opposite side of the aisle from where i generally fall that said man i realized that i've been lied to and things have been bad and it's been not been what it's what it's been portrayed to be and it was refreshing Mm -hmm. to read that because it was somebody that was integrity you know i may not agree with that person on a lot of their politics but that was integrity saying, hey, I, there's some areas where we can find some agreement. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I think I've mentioned on here, right now I'm reading the uh, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, and I just got done reading the screw tape letters. Yeah. And both of them kind of hit on this, that uh, the point being that probably the the, the devil's uh, sneakiest move is – get us justifying things you know um um i'm gonna do this because i had a bad day or i'm gonna do this because whatever it is and we we start we begin to justify sin or we begin to blur the lines or get in that gray area and we we've talked on here recently about there is there is no gray area you know we anytime you start to justify you're slipping to the black Mm -hmm. don't this is this is one of the devil's greatest tricks is 
it's we talked on here a few weeks back. I think about taxes. You know, yeah. you, your accountant will tell you uh, you're kind of getting in the gray area though. There, no, you're not. You're if 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 it's not right, it's wrong. Right. Period. And but as a society, we've done this on on our taxes. We've done this on you know. <laughs> I mean, something as as dumb as is sharing a Netflix password with your neighbor. I mean, it's those are the little things that we say. And in full disclosure, I did this up until just a few months ago. I yeah. had my my neighbor's Netflix password. Yeah. Is that the end of the world? No. Is it wrong? Yes. Yeah. It was wrong. Shouldn't have done it. But. We allow ourselves to well. It's just a, it's just an internet password. What's the big deal? Right. We'll answer for that. Now, is God when I get to heaven going to say you borrowed somebody's Netflix password? <laughs> I don't know. I I mean I'm not going to say no because yeah. that is wrong. Therefore, that is a sin. Therefore, the Bible says I'm going to give an account for all my wrongdoing. So. If he gets down to that, I'm going to be standing there a while. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. We're in for long meetings. <laughs> but, but scripture's clear. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're you're right. Integrity is integrity is biblical. Uh walking in integrity, walking with upright, uh walking to where our our testimony is not blemished is biblical. Yeah. And we need to do everything we can and man, I'm probably going. God's going to wear me out this afternoon. I'm sure. All the way down to the internet password. We don't need to give anybody any kind of ammunition to come after us because in the today, the day we live in now. Yeah. I mean, something as small as sharing a Netflix password has the potential for just being blown way out of proportion. That is true. Why give the enemy that foothold? That is true. And that's where our problem lies. Because back in the early days of our country, I remember the story of Benjamin Franklin, who was not a Christian. Benjamin Franklin was what they called a deist in the time, and he was not a Christian. But what he did know was he knew that Christian principle was a good thing, Mm -hmm. even though he wasn't a Christian. And he, when the Continental Congress got stuck and didn't know what to do and that if it looked like they were at an impasse, they were not going to get the Constitution written. And what did Benjamin Franklin do? The guy that was not a Christian said, hey, why aren't we praying about this? And they prayed. Mm-hmm. And and they got past that impasse. And the truth is, is that as Christians, we all need to be living out the truth. We all need to be not sharing our passwords and then doing those things that are that are just on the fringes because as this story says people are watching Mm -hmm. and if if it looks like we do we are people of high integrity then what's going to happen is people are going to see that and see the value in it but they're not going to see the value in it if we look like everybody else and there's poll after poll that shows that in a lot lot of cases christians are no different than the rest of the world and so we've got to be better than that for sure Another Christian, another passage, First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, "Therefore, my beloved brothers, be firm, steadfast, always fully devoted to the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain." 
And she follows it by saying, I love the idea that we run for God. <laughs> yeah, well, we know this, but it doesn't always make it easy, right? Um, because a lot of times we're doing things and we don't see an immediate return for it. Running is the classic example. Sure. There is no immediate return on running. That first day of running 60 seconds for a lot of people is really hard. And they don't see the <laughs> they don't see the I'm going to run a half marathon at some point, right? Because at that point in time they can't run for 60 seconds. But over time it it, it makes a difference. Well, we talked about it at that, the outset of this. You know, it's we we want to get to that Instagram moment. Mhm. That's right. But there's a lot of grind before that, and yep. that's what this verse is referring to. Be yep. firm and be steadfast. This isn't talking about the the day we walk into heaven. That's that's the Instagram shot right there. Yep. It's everything leading up to that. It's yep. it's hard. Yep. And the idea for an example, one of these things I know that frustrates all of us is if we share Christ with somebody mm-hmm. and then they reject Christ in that sure. case. That's hurtful. Mm-hmm. You know, it really bothers us, and and we want to we want to do something, and we want to feel like sometimes we might walk away feeling like oh, I wasted my time, or but that's not a waste of time because we don't know what's going to happen and how God's going to use that down the road, and we may never see how God's going to use that down the road. You know, the the, the I don't know how many times we, we've all seen a situation where you did something for somebody at one time, and you didn't think anything more about it. And then years later, somebody comes back and says, you know this thing you did for me that one time that you completely forgot about? I really appreciate it. It really made a difference in my life. It happens all the time. So why would we think that sharing Christ with somebody is any different? Mm-hmm. You know, the whole the old marketing rule of, that people need to see or hear something seven times mm-hmm. before they before they make a purchase. Well, the same thing happens a lot of times for people sure. when, they, when you share Christ. And maybe you're the sixth time. And maybe that next time that somebody shares with them might not be you, right. but maybe that next time, that's when they, they latch on and, and understand. Passage from Matthew twenty eight nineteen through 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make the disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The Great Commission. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. We were talking about this in relation to, we were talking about in our Sunday school class, we were talking about education, and we were talking about this in relation to education. We were talking about something about, I don't know if you've ever heard this, the Jewish people, they have this um what's it called sukkot 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 i think it's called yeah and you know what that is that these jewish families and if people are out there and they know this and i get it a little bit wrong please excuse me but i think i'm getting the idea right okay so on sukkot what the jewish families do is they go out and they build a booth and they call it a booth, and it's like a little hut, and it, it actually has to have a space in the ceiling where they can see the stars through it. And their family goes out and stays, basically camps, in this booth. And in that time, there's no television, there's no electron, there's, it's, just, it's just a family mm-hmm. that sits in this booth. And the idea is that the booth is like it's three-sided and it's the the idea is that the the walls of the booth are god's arms wrapped around you and they share with their kids 
this idea of, well, they share with their kids the Exodus story and what God did for, for the Israelites through the Exodus story. And it's a way of passing on a worldview to their kids. How awesome is that? Mm-hmm. And they build the, they call them, what do they call them? A, 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 I had to worry. Sukkah is what the, the, this booth is called. It's called a sukkah, uh, which is, it's very interesting. But, but here's the thing. Our worldview is very important, and we need to be passing along our worldview. And I thought about that because, again, we were just talking about it, but I thought about it because how seriously we take this verse mm-hmm. really describes our worldview and how much we believe in what the pages of the Bible say. You mentioned this soku or however you pronounce it. It kind of reminds me of a Seder which is another Jewish tradition that um, you get together. It's, I think it's sometime around Christmas um, where you get together and they, they tell the story of the Exodus as well. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I mentioned Elihai, who yeah. I do some business with. Yeah. I went to a Seder at his house and it was, it was fascinating. But one thing that the Jewish people do well is exactly what you're talking about here. They, they pass on these stories. Mm-hmm. To their families, and they're very um, diligent about doing that. And one thing that I think that they look at us negatively in in uh, in our culture is, you know, everybody wants to be their kids' best friends nowadays, mm-hmm. and they don't want to preach. And I'm using air quotes to their kids. We should be preaching to our kids. Yes, we should be passing along. I mean. The Jewish tradition they they pass on the Old Testament, but we we need to be passing the gospel on to our kids. Number yeah. one, making sure that they know it and they understand it. Obviously, we can't we can't do anything about whether they accept it or not. That's that's God's job. But we need to be doing everything we can to equip them. Yep. Um, and that's just that's not as prevalent in our culture today, and that it is in the Jewish culture still because um, yeah. I've seen it firsthand. Um, and it's it's so it was so I don't know the right word to describe it when we went to the Seder Elihai because Elihai is a very business person I mean, he is all business you know most days of the week but yeah. it at this you know we had the what are the I've got it sitting right up there the little the little thing that goes on your head we had those on yamaka yamaka yeah and but he went into full on you can tell he does this a lot. Mm-hmm full-on storytelling and was just theatrical and dramatic it was really a cool thing to see if you've never been part of one especially if you ever get invited to one go to it yeah it's very eye-opening because i mean you know the story we all know the story yeah um you know we we have a continuation of the story um but it's uh it's fascinating and it and it's it's something that we can learn a lot from yeah. about the passing things on from generation to generation which yeah. is which is an art that's is kind of dying in our culture we have definitely gotten watered down and here's yeah. the problem the biggest problem is is that and this is again we were talking this past weekend about the worldview and it, as it relates to education the truth is is that worldviews are getting passed along sure make no mistake yeah and if we don't 
pass along to our kids the correct worldview, the 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 biblical worldview, they're going to learn a different worldview. Right. And it's very important for them. And that's why with the Jewish people, that's why they tell that story so many times sure. is because they want to make sure that's the prevalent story in their mind. And that's what we should be well, doing. Think as about, well. I mean, yeah, they had scrolls and things like that, but think about the the most influential way that scripture has been passed down for 2000 years. Yep. I mean, yes, it was written in scrolls, but so much of it was told. It was the spoken word uh, yep. event after event after event. And that's what's got us to where we are. And if, if we don't watch it, you know, you use the word watered down. That's probably the best term because, mm -hmm. you know, the evil one, he'll take parts of it. Yep. And then he'll mix his part in. And if we're not constantly pointing back to Scripture and, and really putting the litmus test to it with Scripture, it will get just what you said watered down. Yep. For sure. A question. What or who inspired you to become a runner? A dare. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I started. That's awesome. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I just started running. I think I've, I've, I've told this story before. You know, I started running when we lived in a big neighborhood, and I used to run in front of my mother's car to the to – the, uh, post office that was about a half mile away from the, the house. You need to pull that Dean's Thoughts episode out. And yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll throw it in this video. Have little Dean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I always loved to run. Um, and then the the inspiration to love and continue running probably came from my high school coach. You know, he just he loved running so much. He loved running so much, and I've talked about he him still before. Loves running. <laughs> yes, I mean he's run every day. The, the la I, when I say this, it, it always freaks me out as much as it does anybody else who's listening. The last day he did not run, Richard Nixon was president. When you say that, it's like that. You don't have to say number of years; yeah. just say that, and it's a like long time. Oh my goodness, that's a long time. But he loves running. And he passed along that love of running, not just to me, but to a lot of the runners that, that ran for him. And I just think about some of the guys, you know, one of the guys on my cross-country team just coached a guy who, who led the Foot Locker Championships for most of the race this past, this past year. Um, another guy is coaching at the Division One level at Georgia Tech. Um, there's just a lot of – and it be, it's because he passed it on to us, mm -hmm. that, that love. Another question, who inspires you in your Christian faith? You know, every time I'm asked this question, I, the same person pops into my mind. And, and honestly, with the exception of probably two or three times, um, I really haven't seen this person in 15 years. I mean, I, he, he lives on the other side of the town. He, he goes to a church that, Holly and I went to when we got married. It was the church she grew up in. But a gentleman by the name of Larry Anderson. Um, Larry is, like I said, I've seen him every now and then around town. But Larry was one of those guys in our church. He helped in the youth group when, when I was in the youth there. He was around at the time I got saved. And he was just one of those, he didn't say a lot. You could tell he was a man of very deep convictions Talking about stories, when we would go like on campouts and stuff, he was the story guy. He mm -hmm. was the older guy that really sat everybody down and, and told these stories. He was a he was a motorcycle mechanic. He was one of those jack of all trades, knew how to do everything, but he was a man of very few words. Yeah. But when he spoke, 
he listened. Yeah. And he always had a way of pointing you to Christ, even if he never said the word Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and he's the past few times I've seen him, he's still that way. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I think he's just one of those that really, whether he knows it or not, set me on the right heading yeah. at a time that I really needed it the most. It goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. He probably doesn't even real recognize that he, or realize that. He doesn't. Yeah. He does it. Cause I, I mean, I've said that before, but, um, I don't know that I've ever said that to him. Maybe, yeah. maybe I should. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. I well, think I do. I do. I do need to tell him that. I, I'll give a shout out to another guy who lives here. He lives in Chatsworth. His um, his name's John Bagley. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know John. Mm-hmm. Um, John kind of is, the same personality. Yes, yeah. you know he's kind of he's a little bit like us in that he's a doer. He's right. always wanting to do things and sure. um, always wanting to help people. But I never hear John ever say anything negative about anybody at all it's all and he always brings every conversation back to christ and he was such and he he has no idea how much of an inspiration he was to me at the time he was our pastor at our church for a little while he has no idea how much and it wasn't in any one thing that he ever said it was in the way he carried himself and his general demeanor um was something that if I was going to be like somebody else, that's the guy mm-hmm. I want to be like because he is the guy to me that whose walk seems as close to God as anybody I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, not flashy. So, nope, nope. It's boring. Yeah, we, we've already talked that's, about that's this, right, and yep. that's yep. That's the best walk to yep. have is 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 a nice. Boring is the wrong word, I guess, in this context. But you, you understand my point. Yeah, we we don't. You don't want the highs and the lows of of your walk with Christ. You want it to be steady. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think that's the way John and Larry yeah. both lived their life. And a couple other people, I, Debbie really does wonders for me. She keeps me centered so well. Um, she's always oh, she's again, she's another one that just pulls everything back to where it needs to be when I get wild. She pulls, she yanks me back and says, get away from the edge there, buddy. You know, and, and that's so, that's so important for me. Um, God definitely sent her my way for a reason. <laughs> and then there's a guy I listen to on, on a podcast occasionally who is, uh, I, I want to say he may, I don't know if he's Catholic or I, I'm not actually, I'm not sure. Um, but he has a different way of looking at things and he always looks at things just a little bit different than everybody else. And I really, really like people like that. Mm-hmm. And that guy really helps me to go because I'm convinced that, you know, when Jesus came, everybody got him wrong. Right. Everybody had the wrong idea on who Jesus was going to be. Now, I know we know who Jesus is now, but I'm convinced that when when everything is revealed, when we go to heaven and everything is revealed to us. It's not going to be anything like what we think. And that's why I like to listen to people who have a little bit different take on things because we get so ingrained on what we think things are or are going to be. And I think that that now there are there's a lot of things that are black and white. Please don't hear me that say that I think there's something in the Bible that isn't in the Bible or anything like that. But I think we've got to be open to the idea that Jesus is way more than the box we put him into. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's I don't know. That's why I like to listen to people like that. 
Last question. Are you sharing the gospel on a regular basis? Well, now, Jan, you are stepping on some toes. <laughs> you know, I, I like to... Uh, the question is, are you sharing the gospel on a regular basis? The question is not, are you sharing the gospel enough? I think the answer to the question, are you sharing the gospel on a regular basis? I like I like to think we are. Yeah. I, I like to think we're doing it on a regular basis. Now, are we doing enough? We're never doing enough. Um, I, I would like to do more. You know, I've, I've got a prayer rock behind me that, you know, one of my prayers is, is give me the opportunities to share the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and... I think too many times the opportunities are there. I think he's answering my prayer, um, but I need to be looking at that rock more. Yeah. Because um, the opportunities are always there. Yep. Yep. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. All right, we're back. And, you know, there's a subject that's really touchy as it relates to running, but I thought I'd bring it up um, and hopefully do it uh, in a sensitive enough way. Uh, and I bring it up because uh, because of something that happened recently, and, and it's the subject of, of weight and running. It's Eilish McColgan. I don't know if you know who that is. She's a British runner, and she's extremely thin. And so she's been picked on for years about how thin she is and that she must have some kind of a diet issue, that she must be starving herself, blah, blah, blah. Well, she just set a, a British record, and actually I think it's under the American record for the 10K. She ran like like 30.01 or 30.02, something like that, something really fast. Anyway, um, but I, I bring it up because – um, we've also heard about the opposite thing, right? We've heard about coaches who were fired because they brought up weight to a female athlete and it didn't go over well. Um, and, and that's another, that's the other side of that coin. And there are certainly both sides to it. And the problem is, and the reason why these coaches wind up getting fired is because a lot of times when you start talking with people about their weight, they go to the other extreme, and that's way more dangerous. And so, uh, so you got to be careful with that, um, because a lot of that has led to, and we know for a fact, it's led. To, well, um, um, what's her name? Our, it's our, on the tip our, of my tongue, Eden, Eden Morris. Oh, okay. I Eden, you were about. yeah, Eden Morris. Um, she talks about that very candidly mm-hmm. about how she, she was a got, softball player she was a softball player and she got into eating disorders because she knew she needed she felt like she needed to be lighter she was being shamed into it yes yeah. and so we've got to be careful with that having said all that though um weight is is an important thing right mm-hmm. and so we, we should focus on that to some degree obviously being healthy is important but here's i guess this is the thing about weight you you 
you got to put good food in your system. We we should look at food as fuel. We've talked about that a number of times. And I want I want you to think about this. If you are going to put gas in your car, you would not go into the convenience store right there by the gas station and buy a gallon of milk and then pour it into your gas tank mm-hmm. hoping it would work because it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, why is it any different when we eat stuff that's not good for us? It's just like we're going to buy that milk and pouring it into our tank. Yeah. We're putting stuff in our body that's not good for us. And you know what? It's Here's the thing that I think is really stark. It's not hard not to go in there and buy that milk, right? right? But it seems to be so hard for us to avoid putting garbage in our body. Now, again, I, please don't hear me say we've got to be absolute and never put anything bad in our body, that kind of thing. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but think about it like this. The more optimized your weight is, the better you're going to feel as a runner, as a walker, as whatever at whatever you're doing just being alert in general and so it's worth fueling your body properly if for no other reason then life is just better in general well i think i think the thing about running and i've, I've said this many times because you know we always warn people especially when joining that very first 5k class this is not the time to go on a crash yeah. diet because a lot of people they go to extremes, they start a running program, and then they say, I'm just not going to eat for the next 12 weeks. Well, that is a recipe for disaster. But one thing that, that is great about running or exercise in general is you learn the cause and effect. You know, we I'm never going to tell somebody not to eat a cupcake. Mm-hmm. We, we don't do the diet thing around here, mm-hmm. nor do I think Eden does and some of the other people we've had on, Spider, he's – we're – it's not really diet that we teach, but we we try to teach, understand the cause and effect. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want a cupcake right now, and I know I'm going to do a run in one hour from now, I understand the cause and effect. Mm-hmm. I understand that that cupcake is not going to feel good doing that run here in one hour. And I think running helps you. And for that reason, I think that people that that join a fitness program like Run for God, the 5K Challenge, any of our challenges, you tend to start losing weight because of that fact alone. It's not that you're going on a diet. It's you start understanding, oh, that Mexican lunch I had, (laughs) like me and you did for a while. And I I would get so mad at myself because we'd go run later on. I'd be like, I feel horrible. And finally, after eight weeks, we stopped going to eat Mexican for lunch. But we, I think that's the important thing to grasp when when we start talking diet, which I'm not putting that label on it, but nutrition is once you start to understand that, yes, I'm allowed to eat this thing and I may decide to go ahead and eat this thing, I understand that it may be like pouring a little bit of water in my gas tank. Yeah. I may spit and sputter for a little while. I'll get back. It's not going to derail me. But because of that, you start to notice these trends and you start to notice the foods that do make you feel good when you go on that next run. And therefore you start gravitating toward that. And because of that, you start to get healthier and you start to lose weight and all these types of things. But 
yes, joining any time or any t- not even if you don't join an exercise program, taking these draconian, you know, TV diets is never a good thing. Yeah. Um, because you're right, food is fuel, and when you just cut the fuel out, <laughs> you're going to run out of gas, and maybe even worse. I mean, you get in instances like Eden, um, yeah. where it it can cause long term effects. Yeah, you know, it strikes me that the problem a lot of times with what we eat and how our nutrition works is exactly what we were talking about earlier about delayed gratification Mm -hmm. because the truth is is the reason why we eat the thing that's bad for us is because it gratifies us now even though food is my favorite yeah even though it's going to make us feel lousy later whereas if we look at later and how we're going to feel later as being more important than how we feel now we'd probably make different choices yeah yeah All right, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, we had an eventful trip home from South Dakota, and I think I learned something from it. So I wrote this thing called Patience is a Virtue. I will remember the 2023 NAIA Indoor Nationals for several reasons, but one of them has nothing to do with the track meet itself. Have you ever had one of those days when, where one after another things seemed to go haywire? We had one of those days on the way home from South Dakota. When we arrived at the airport, everything looked fine. The status screens told us that our flight was on time and that we would get back into Chattanooga by 7.30 p.m. That would be enough time to spend a couple hours with my wife and our pets before going to bed for a full night's rest to begin a new week the next day. But as the time for boarding approached, the plane was was late, just uh, pulling into the gate. And that meant that we would be a little late as they took time to deplane and clean up the aircraft. We had a connecting flight in Dallas-Fort Worth, the second busiest airport in the world. The schedule called for exactly one hour between flights. The footprint of that airport was very large, and I began to hope that our arrival gate and departure gate were close together. I sat down in my seat 15 minutes after takeoff time. It looked like we would be about 30 minutes late. That would cut it close, but we could still make it if the gates were close together. If they weren't, we still had a chance because there was a reasonable chance the second flight would be delayed too. A late departure would give us the time we needed. But then we just sat there at the gate. I don't know why. We just sat there for another 15 minutes. Now it was getting uncomfortably close. As we began to taxi out toward the runway, I thought, they can often make up 10 or 15 minutes in the air on a two-hour flight. Hopefully, we would still be okay. But then the plane stopped, and we just sat there, getting uncomfortable as it seemed the air conditioning was not working. It was a far cry from the single-digit temperatures we had experienced in the past few days. We sat for another 15 minutes. Then I looked outside the window as they began to de-ice the wings. Another 15 minutes go by. Our chances were down to zero if the plane to Chattanooga was on time. But maybe it would be late. The thing is, we didn't have a choice. I made the decision to just relax and be patient. Not a small accomplishment for me. We finally took off over over an hour after we were scheduled to take off. I sat back, got a little work done, and just prayed that God would see, see us to our final destination. I tried in vain during the flight to pull up information on our connecting flight, but I had terrible difficulty with the airline app. Two restarts of my phone didn't help much either. 
Towards the end of the flight, a flight attendant came by to see if anyone had questions. I told him our situation. He tapped on his device and said, Thompson? I said, yes, sir. He said, you have already been rescheduled on another flight. Our new departure time would be a little over four hours later than our original flight. I thanked God that there was space on the same day flight and sat back and finished our flight knowing that we would have to hang out at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport for a few hours. I had the opportunity to work on my patience a little more. We found a great place to share a meal and some laughs at, in that airport. If we were going to be delayed, we could make the most of it. And we did. The plane took off on time and landed on time in Chattanooga. But when we pulled up to the gate, we had to sit behind another aircraft who was waiting for the ground crew to attend to their arrival. I only thought our delays were over. We sat for another 15 minutes, waiting for the crew to finish the other plane. Finally, we pulled up to the gate, and then we sat there a little bit longer. It seemed that there was no agent at the gate, so we had to wait for one to arrive. At this point, I began to laugh out loud at the absurdity of it all. How and and I did I happen to mention that the very and the very <laughs> did I happen to mention that I was sitting in the very last row by the window, so I was the last person off the plane. More waiting, more opportunity to practice my patience. We went down to baggage the baggage claim area to collect our bags and waited. As the bags came out, the crowd dwindled as each of the waiting passengers collected their bags and left. The two ladies I was traveling with collected their bag, and I told them to go ahead and go on home. One of them had class in the morning, and it was after midnight at this point, and I waited. I went to the source of the conveyor to get my bag as soon as it came out, and then I, approached, I was approached by an airport worker. Are you looking for a bag? What does it look like? I said, it's a black backpack with tripods attached. He said he had it in the back, and he would go retrieve it. As he went out the door, I looked around. It was just me and a guy working at one of the car rental places left in the building. <laughs> More practice. He brought my bag, and what do you know, it was the right one. I took it and started to leave. Then I noticed that something was missing, but he had gone out the door. I went to the door, and it would not open. I banged on it, and there was no answer. After a long day, I still didn't have all I needed. At that point, I had no idea how to get back to the baggage claim workers. I just had to leave. More practice. But boy, was I happy to be home. This day wasn't the best day I've ever had, but it was far from the worst, too. Why? Because I didn't stress over the things I couldn't control. The truth is that I may have had a heart attack 10 years ago. God has really worked on my patience. But there is a running walk or walking lesson to learn here. I see many people who are always just looking forward to getting the run or the walk done. They're so focused on checking the task off the checklist that they dread the activity itself. On our trip home, I made the decision that I was traveling in good company and I would enjoy the experience no matter what it was. We laughed really hard at times. We had fun despite the circumstances. Ten years ago, I could not have enjoyed it because I would have been consumed with things I couldn't even control. Don't allow yourself to get wound up about the run you have, you have to fit into your day. It may not be convenient. You may not feel well. You may be rushed to fit it in between two other things, but that's okay. You can't control time. And take it from me, when you try, it never ends well. 
No matter how hard it is, allow yourself to enjoy your journey. For me, a trip that would have been miserable a few years ago was downright enjoyable journey today because I have realized I can't control everything around me. Charles Swindoll once said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I have learned the depth, the deep truth of that saying over the past decade. And the bottom line is that God is in control. God created time. He's not surprised by anything that's going on, but I'm convinced he is interested in seeing how we react to our lack of control over circumstances in time. He wants us to rely on him, and sometimes we're forced to decide if we're going to rely on God or we're going to get impatient about something we can't even control. Whether you're thinking, whether you, you're th- Whether you're thinking about running or anything else, try not to be so focused on the destination that you forget to enjoy the journey. Be patient, especially when you have no control over events happening around you. And I have found that focusing on God in those moments when tension rises can be so sweet because he will often show us a different angle. What else explains the fact that I was laughing about something today that would have tied me in knots just a decade ago? It is all God. That's what happens when we focus on Him instead of the things we can't control. Man, that was a great story, Dean. I think uh, I think this is where you and I are pretty much alike. Yeah. I think this is the area that He's worked on me the most. Although, I don't think I've come quite as far as you. Well, Maybe I, don't, I have. I don't know. Uh, probably further. <laughs> You've seen me. Come on. Tell the truth. <laughs> You've seen no. me. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you're so right. We get, even when things are going right, I think this is where I've struggled a lot in the past. Even when things are going right, I'm so antsy to get to the next thing that I don't enjoy the place I'm at. And that's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong for everybody around you. Um, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm so impatient to to get that great seat in the restaurant. Then we get set down and I get done eating and I'm so anxious to get out and leave. You know, everybody jokes, you know, my father-in-law of Jerry, it's kind of a running joke. Now when, when Jerry's done eating, Jerry stands. Yeah. And it don't matter if everybody else is. And so it's kind of a joke now, Jerry's standing. <laughs> and so I'll stand up and my family will say, Jerry's standing. But yeah, I mean, it's, th- this is an area that I still need to work on. I just, just enjoy where God's got you and the people he's got you around. That's the part that we so often overlook is, is you're sitting at the dinner table with the people that you love the most so many times. Yeah. And we're anxious to get on to the next thing. Yeah. And that's guilty. We shouldn't do that. So, so guilty. And for whatever reason, God really impressed upon my heart on this trip. The two ladies I was with, I just, I have so much deep respect for them, their family. And, um, I, I just decided that if I was going to get upset, then they were going to have to pay the consequences of me being upset. And I thought that's not fair to them. <laughs> and, um, and it turned out so much better, not just for them, but for me as well. Sure. Because like I said, we sat in that airport and we ate and we laughed so hard. I don't remember what we were talking about something and laughed so hard. And uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. And, you know, Catherine was one of those that was with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much you know about Catherine and her barbs, but she when she throws a barb out there they're pretty pointed and they're pretty good and she she doesn't waste words and she's stone-faced when she does that <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Yeah. I actually talked to Catherine last week at that track meet. That's the most I've ever talked to her. Is it? Yeah. And I really got to see a different side of her. Yeah. You know, she really, I think she kind of, she was relaxed at that track meet and, and really got to know her a lot better and enjoyed talking to her. Yeah. You got to see the side of her I talk about. I that guess you've I, got I've never said 10 words to her before that. And I've yeah. known her for years now, but yeah yeah that yeah. was nice well i love this the quote that i uh, i pointed to in here charles swindoll's quote about life is you know 90 percent you know how you uh, 10 percent what happens 90 percent how you react yeah yeah and it's uh it, that's just so uh, it's so true uh, there's no reason why and, and i think about it in the context again of running so many people they just like you're talking about they want to check it off yeah and and i i'm guilty myself of sure. let me just get it done and move on to the next thing it's way more fun when we just sit back and we enjoy it and we realize that we get to do it that we don't have to do it mm-hmm. and uh it makes a big difference at Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run For God station on J Radio. All right, every week I share a reason why running or walking is so awesome. And this week, it can make your job better, or it can make you better at your job by being a runner. Have you ever noticed that a lot of the top executives, a lot of our presidents, a lot of people are runners Mm -hmm. that that are in top levels? Well, I think there's a reason for that. I think they go together. Mm-hmm. I think people who run tend to be more successful, and people who are more successful tend to run. And so that tells you that maybe you know you're up for a big promotion soon. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean it's the, it's the structure, it's the dedication, it's yeah. the discipline. It's and and the thing about it is that's not just natural. It's it's something you can learn. So yeah. if if you're not a runner, if maybe you're, maybe you are struggling at your job. Yeah, become a runner. Yeah, it may get better because it's a learned thing. Absolutely. Well, this story came. Somebody posted this on our Run Club Facebook page, and I read the story and I liked the story, and so I wanted to share the story. I know that not everybody, everybody will read a headline, and they don't always read the whole story, and so I thought we would share this story because it was that good. And this, it's called. It says this woman ran a five seventeen mile while nine months pregnant. Don't be afraid to change reality. And this lady's name is McKenna Myler. Uh, the story was written by Corrine, Corrine Miller. Uh, and and it's, um, it's an interesting read. McKenna Myler went viral back in 2020 when she ran a mile in under six minutes while she was pregnant with her first child. So when she was nine months pregnant with her second child, she decided to do it again. Only this time she did it faster. In February, the 30-year-old professional runner once again ran a race while heavily pregnant, completing her mile-long run in 5 minutes and 17 seconds, shaving 8 seconds off the 525 miles she ran in 2020 during her first pregnancy. Myler, who is due to give birth on March 15th, tells Yahoo Life that she can't imagine not running during pregnancy. 
a runner for ASICs since July 2021, Myler decided to run a race at nine months pregnant again because she and her coach, Ryan Hall, who she hired at the beginning of her pregnancy, wanted to see how her training is progressing. The mile for my first pregnancy was an easy comparison, she says. Myler says she hadn't raced the mile in over a year, and so it was a little jarring when she did it at the Soka University Indoor Qualifier Meet. I had to remember that running four laps has, has, has to hurt right away or you're not going to run fast enough, she says. I ran too slow the first lap and then realized I shouldn't be feeling this at ease. The last three laps were much harder. But Myler says that her body also helped her regulate herself. The internal governor will not allow you to push 100%, she says. She's smart enough to never allow the baby any danger. It feels weird trying to go all out and still having about 10 to 15% in the tank at the end, knowing there was just no way for you to spend it. Our bodies are incredible. It's worth noting she came in fourth out of 29 runners. While Myler's time and placement are impressive, her fastest non-pregnant mile is 4 minutes and 37 seconds. As with her first child, Myler has continued to train throughout her pregnancy, albeit with some adjustments. I've been training less like a marathoner, more like I'm about to do a 5K, she says. More speed workouts, still 60-minute runs and long runs in between. I've also added in a bit more cycling on the trainer this time and a lot more regimented Olympic weightlifting. Uh, The weights uh, prevent injury, strengthen joints, and keep me poppy, even with 25 extra pounds. While most people in the comments of Myler's Instagram post cheered her on and shared words of encouragement, others questioned the safety of running that fast during pregnancy. It's important to point out that the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, encourages women with uncomplicated pregnancies to engage in aerobic and strength conditioning exercises before, during, and after pregnancy. ACOG also includes this note for athletes. Vigorous intensity exercise completed into the third trimester appears to be safe for most healthy pregnancies. Doctors agree that that it's safe for competitive runners to keep training during pregnancy if they feel comfortable with it. My general recommendation to athletes in pregnancy is to continue most of their training without any significant changes with the caveat that if they're starting to feel unsteady and at risk uh, for fear of abdominal trauma, avoid that, avoid that during pregnancy any time after 16 weeks. Dr. Chris Kirsten Leitner, Assistant Professor of Clinical Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Perelman School of Medicine, University of Pennsylvania, tells Yahoo Life. Otherwise, they're fine to keep running. Myler says her lower back hurt when she was done with the race, but she otherwise felt good. I got excited for a second that labor was coming, (laughs) but I just felt uncomfortable for an hour or so, she says. Myler says it's important for her to challenge the notion of what a woman can accomplish during pregnancy. I have a decent following of women who are either mothers or candidates to be mothers and are at least partially involved in the running world. She says, I want everyone to know but particularly this slice of the population, that reality, as it's been painted for them, should always be questioned, particularly if the message of that reality is some version of you can't. But as she noted in her Instagram post about the race, there is no need for other pregnant women to think, how worthless and lazy am I about themselves? Just know that's that's not the point, she told her followers. This is not a game of comparison, and a healthy, happy pregnancy should be your only goal. That's an incredible story. I did see that on, I guess, did you say it was on the Run Club page? Yeah. Posted on there? Yeah, I did see that. Um, 
and we've always kind of known or the way I've always been told um, is that if you were doing it before you got pregnant, then it's okay to be doing it after you got pregnant. So yeah. if you were running really fast miles, you don't want to start something like that during pregnancy. Right. But if you were doing it prior to getting pregnant, then it's completely safe and okay to do it after pregnancy. That, that really drives me crazy when you see, I mean, this is a professional runner who this is her life. She knows what she's doing. And for people to come on there and throw rocks and talk about how safe, obviously not knowing that it is yeah. just drives me up the wall. Yeah, it always, always <laughs> does me too. The other point about this too, though, is that she points out here to sometimes question what people are telling you. Cause sometimes the things and the, the, the conventional wisdom out there is not wisdom at all. Mm-hmm. And in this case, there are a lot of people who, when they get pregnant, they sit down and they don't do anything, and it's really not good for them. That's really worse for them and for the baby. It's better if they're doing, particularly, again, as you mentioned, if you're doing it beforehand, keep doing those things. Sure. And it's hard. I know I've talked with a lot of pregnant ladies, and it's hard for pregnant women to keep doing stuff because you're a lot of reasons. Hormones, you're carrying around all the extra weight. You know, there's There's a lot of reasons why it gets hard. To, to live your life and continue doing the things you're doing, but you can do it. And if you do do it, it is, it is good for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. How about a trivia question for this week? <laughs> this one's interesting. I don't know where I found this, but it was, this is fun. <laughs> you just read it, didn't you? Yeah. Where do you come up with these? I have no idea. <laughs> what is the world record for running a half marathon? backwards <laughs> so if you know the answer to that one send it to dean at runforgod.com and if you're the per- first person to send that to me then uh you will win i'll bet it's faster than i've ever run a marathon a half marathon frontwards i'm gonna go out on limb and say are that. you gonna go out on limb and say that what's your uh what's your pr 48 i think That's... 148 149 something like that yeah yeah no, don't give any indication but yeah it's uh yeah running. i'm betting it's faster than that yeah. but i could be completely wrong you may come out and say four hours i don't know could, could be could be but usually but, these if 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 you're asking it there's something that makes you go wow yeah <laughs> well it's an interesting thought and the and we'll talk more about running backwards next week all right let me leave you with this motivational thought of the week um this is uh, uh amy hastings Cragg quoting her mantra that she uses during a marathon. I love this, and this is what she does during a marathon that helps her. I breathe in strength and breathe out weakness. <laughs> the idea of every time you breathe in, you're getting stronger, and every time you breathe out, you're pushing that weakness out of your body. Well, one of our signs that we put on the race course says sweat is weakness leaving the body. That's right, yeah. 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 Like Good that. stuff. Positive self-talk works, I'm telling you. Sure. Do it. All right. We are 157 episodes down. Into year four. Into year four. Congratulations, Dean. You've yeah. done a great job. Well, and you too. For those of you out there who don't know, I'm just the guy that shows up and sits here and talks with Dean. <laughs> but Dean's the one that puts all this together. He puts all the outlines together. He writes a lot of this stuff. and It's a great job. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I appreciate it. And for everybody else, until next week. May God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean.
For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.